may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Right, nearly half time pal, your turn to get a ground round in, off you go No, you get this one in mate because I've got the beer sorted for later What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one, you know that's not how the ground round works Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. Hello, and we're back. It's View from the Indian, and I know what you're thinking. Those aren't the dulcet Cardiff twang tones of Ben James, and you'd be right. It's Tom Phillips here, because much like the Cardiff players in the Swansea game, Ben James hasn't turned up. But with me is probably my favourite, Ben. Ben Ben Price, how are you? I'm very well, mate. I'm here, I'm prepared, I'm revved up, I'm good to go, unlike some. Well, yeah, to be fair, Ben Ben James isn't available today, but we're going to try our best. It, it could be awful, it could be fantastic, it could be the end of Ben James. We'll find out soon. Anyway, but first, let's speak about the Swansea game that we don't want to speak about. Ben, what did you think of it? It's shit, wasn't it? It's much like Chris, the build-up to Christmas, all this hope, all this excitement, all for it to be pulled out at the last minute when no one turns up. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating. Again, it's a, sort, of, sort of a running theme of the season, poor defenders of mistakes and just a predictable result. It was just one of those. What about you? Oh, yeah, I hated it. I hate derby games, though. Like, do you like derby games? Because no, I, I hate the build-up. It's just, it just ruins weeks for me. Mate, I don't know anyone that does like derby, so that's the thing. It's sort of every sports pundit goes on about how this is, these are the games, first games you look out for, and they're the games the fans love. Every fan I know, they are the first games you look for because you go, oh, fucking hell, how long do we have to wait? Oh, it's that far away. That's good. Yeah. That's, like, and it came around, didn't it? And then it was awful from, what was it? When did they score? Like five minutes in? Six minutes in, I think. Like you've gone into the game thinking, you know, start this strongly now. We you know we're off a good run. We we've won a load of games in a row. We're finally going into a derby thinking, oh, we got the better of them, yeah. And then we let them do that. Like, what did you think of that first goal from low? It's just classic sitting it, just back off and just poor defending leads to a decent finish. I'll give him both of his goals with good finishes. But it's just simple basic mistakes that the defense are making that we cut out for a few weeks, and that's how we got on that good run. But to go from that to those games, and this is the game that matters more than any to most fans, let's be honest. We say we hate it and all that, but it's the game that matters the most. If we pick up a win, 
you're buzzing and that sort of gets it there when you lose as you've seen from sort of the social media outcry it's undone all that good work of the previous games um and it's just classic isn't it it's just one of those you don't want to concede early you want to be tight at the back early on and make sure you don't concede and we did the exact opposite who are you blaming comical. for the goal? Who are you blaming for it though? Are you, are you blaming Smithies? Are you blaming Bennett? Who do you think's at fault? I think it's a it's one of those goals that there's no one individual at, at blame. It was a comical collection of errors from everyone to fuck it up. For it to go through Smithy's legs like that, for Bennett to be back off his man, for Mel- Nelson as well. It was just like every player involved just didn't do their job, and it just led to the perfect collection of just shit in a ball that then went between Smithy's legs and in. It's just such a pity, isn't it? Because Smithies, we, we give him plaudits. It feels like week after week of keeping us in games. And then the one game that matters to a lot of our fans, he's the one that kind of could have done better within the opening minutes. And it kind of it kind of set up the game. Just You just knew it was going to be disappointing from that point, didn't you? But how how much of a like turning point do you reckon the red card that should have been for Swansea was? Sort of the way the game played out, I don't think it would have made any difference. There was a few people on Twitter sort of blaming the referee and the referee's performance and not giving the red card for the sort of change in the direction of the game. Swansea were one up at the time. People seemed to forget that. And we were just shite. As soon as that goal went in, sort of nothing came, nothing good came from us. We didn't start too badly before that. We sort of looked to get the ball forward a bit and it looked all right. It looked competitive. But the second that goal went in, it was, it was a training game for Swansea, wasn't it? Let's be real. There was no fight. There was no passion there was just nothing from us and a player them going down to 10 men I don't think would have made any difference they can be down to seven I still think we'd have struggled to create anything you, you say they're like we were kind of like out for do, do you think that's the most frustrating thing to come from this game it looked like we were out for we were outclassed we were outrun they they just they set up to beat this a certain way and it worked do you reckon that's the most frustrating thing about it I'll take a loss I think like most City fans are quite forgiven if the performance is there, if you can see the players tried and you can see that it was sort of just one of those, look, we were better, but beaten by the better team, but we played all right. Every player gave it their all. Um, in any game, City fans will accept that loss. But in a derby, that's the bare minimum. Sort of, they know this. Like you, It's the same thing as last year, sort of under Harris and Warnock. Those, both of those games, we were disappointed with the level of effort and performance. Same with Bristol this year, level of performance and effort. It's just you expect high intensity, you expect the most. Swansea were up for it. Swansea were prepared. They got the feeling right and they were spot on with everything they did from game plan through to mentality was spot on. We seemed weak, we seemed uninterested. And in the Derby game, that is unforgivable for me. Do you think Harris got it wrong? You know, we came we came into that game in good form and it was, you know, he didn't change the side again. Do you think that was just one step too far for that system? And do you think he should have done something differently going into that game? Yeah, I think we've seen in previous games, we know how Swansea are going to set up, we know how they're going to play. And we saw that 4-4-2 does not work against Swansea. It didn't work for Warnock when he played it in November last year. It didn't work for Harris when he played it in February, January last year, this year, when we lost them then. Um, it's just not the way to set up. It's not the way to do it. And we just don't seem to have learned those mistakes. I think that's the bit that frustrates me most of Harris, sort of gets him the most flack is... It's the same mistakes he's made in the past keep on reoccurring. And that's what gives fans every opportunity to batter him and berate him. You sort of see the mistakes of the defence. Nelson's, there, needs, there should be a change in defence. It should have been months ago. And we went on a decent run and it was fine. But 
every little mistake is sort of caught, caught up and it's always from the same thing and no, nothing seems to be done about it. And the 4-4-2 playing against Swansea was just the epitome of that and sort of was clearly why we lost. I think for me, I don't think he makes the biggest decisions when he needs to. I think, you know, people say, no, look, you go in with an unchanged side because you're winning games. But the football is coming so thick and fast at the moment. You've got to change something. Like you've got players out there who aren't used to playing that amount of games. People like Mark Harris and stuff, who's run run himself in, in, into the ground. You know, you've got Kiefer Moore, which we'll come on to, who's run run himself ragged for both club and country. You've got to change things up at some point, haven't you? And I think for me, it's frustrating. Just Harris doesn't seem to. I don't think he makes those big calls well. I think Mark Harris is sort of the epitome of that. Lads come into it. He's played a lot of first team football in the championship, the level, highest level he's played at for years, probably his whole career and the biggest run of his career. I mean, dropped into a derby after playing five games on the bounce in like 10 days or however, not 10 days, in like 15 days or whatever it is. It's too much football. It's too much of a high pressure situation. You're expecting too much of him at that stage. If it was two games, if it was the second game in that run and you played Swansea, I wouldn't be, wouldn't mind so much. But you could see from his performance, he was knackered. You could see that 4-4-2 wasn't working and we need to switch and pack the midfield out. Didn't happen. None of those changes happened until it was too late. And then you got Kiefer Moore going off injured as well. Did you Do you think that was coming? Do you think it was inevitable that that bloke was going to get injured with the amount of games he's been playing and how much of a focal point he is, not only for Cardiff, but for Wales as well? I've never, yeah. I've not actually thought of it, it was inevitable and sort of the amount he's played. I just thought it was just summed up Cardiff's season this year that the one bit of skill the City player tried all game was a back heel in the box and he snaps his hamstring. How was how how did he back heel the ball into the ground over the bar? It's one of the most miraculous things I've ever seen. But it's not even that. How do you do that and then pull your hamstring? Because it's I, I it's not like his leg, I'm just like trying to recreate the motion now and sort of how does your hamstring go from that? It surely it's going to be your calf or your Achilles or something's going to go. How do you pop your hamstring doing that? It's just, yeah, like you said, look, the bloke was knackered. I think he's played like six million games this season so far for club and country, and sort of had about two decent passes played to him at times. Um, it was always he was always going to get hurt. It was always going to happen. And yeah, sod's law, derby game, trying a bit of skill. How much are we going to miss him, Draken, going forward in, in the next... Look, we, we'll go on to the games that have already happened because we're doing a bumper pod here, but how how much are we going to miss him? Because he's probably going to be out, what, into the first couple of weeks of the new year, probably around the FA Cup fixture time, we'll probably see him back. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big mess. You've got some big games coming up. We've had some big games gone. And everyone knows me. Everyone knows I love Glatzel. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of big Bobby G. But he doesn't offer as much as Kiefer Moore does at times. He's a different kind of player. You've got to play to Gladstone's strengths a lot more. He's not going to change a game. You've got to play the ball into him for him to change the game. Um, he's going to be a massive mess, isn't he? Like, was he 10 goals already this season? You take that out of a team that's struggling to score, it's going to be a loss. Yeah, huge. And then I suppose what summed that fixture up then was the Rawls red card. Do you blame him for it? Does he need to be more sensible in that situation? We've seen him kick out players before. What's your opinion on that? It was stupid than the red card he got at Spurs. Play was going nowhere. There was no need to make the tackle like that. It was just a rush of blood to the head of frustration. And I understand why he's frustrated. Christ, if I would have been on there, I'd have two-footed every Swansea player in sight. But you can't be doing that. It's just stupidity. At a time when we sort of looked 
I think what frustrated me more was it was the one period of the game where we looked like we were starting to gain the tiniest bit of momentum. And for him to do that is just stupid. Yeah, because we were still in the game at that point. And we we all want, you know, big challenges going in. You want it to be a feisty affair. But that was just, it wasn't like a big tackle, was it? It was a stupid lunge. Yeah. And like, like I said, we've seen it from him before. It took, he did it when we played them at the Liberty before, where he just kicked out with a few minutes to go. But it's almost that frustration of just the people around him not doing what he wants to do as well. Nobody getting stuck in. And he makes a, a rash challenge like that. And I think that was probably more of a turning point than not having the red card in a weird way. Yeah. Be- because, like you said, I wouldn't say, like, we weren't quite getting a foothold, but we weren't being outplayed as much as we were leading up to that point for the first time in the game. We thought we got a chance here, then it was done. And then, low second goal. This is a bloke who hadn't scored since, I think it was, like, October. And I was thinking, our threat, their threat is going to be, are you? Keep him quiet, we keep them quiet. And then that bastard pops up and scores that world at the end. Like, what do you think of that goal? Be fair, if you if you can say one thing the defence did this game was keep Ayu quiet, he didn't do a lot, but he didn't need to, was the simple reason for that. Um, his second goal, if you're looking at an attacking play, fantastic, kept the ball well, took it, struck it down well, great finish. If you're looking from a defensive point of view, Volk should absolutely scythe him down. He tried. He missed by about six yards. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Nelson should have got stood on him quicker was just for some reason decided to back off a yard the whole game which again is a pattern that's emerged over the last few weeks which I'm not sure why whether it's a fatigue thing or whether it's just a lack of speed but I don't know but it was just all again it's just the same sort of er- errors the first goal just with a better finish it, it's just so annoying like you say like we kept IU out of the game but then I think their midfield kind of highlighted what our midfield doesn't quite have. Like, you have the likes of Corey Smith and Grimes. Like, they just ticked over all game. They put their foot in, they got in the way. And that's kind of what we've been missing in a few games. And we'll come on to it with the the Norwich game and the Birmingham game to some extent as well. And there was rumours that Corey Smith was going to sign for us after leaving Bristol City. Do you think an addition like that would have been welcome in our midfield? Or do you reckon what we've got is good enough at the moment. No, I think it's clear the midfield's missing that dynamo. Um, you're missing that sort of workhorse. We're missing Aaron Gunnison, let's be real. Two seasons in, we still haven't replaced him. And a player like Gunnison's not easy to replace, I understand that, but we don't seem any closer to replacing him at all. Pack, for all, is good. I think he is a good player. He gets a lot of flack and fear at times for City fans. Isn't the player that we need in that position when we're playing the system we are. Um, someone like Smith would have been ideal. Probably not quite as physical as Gunnison, but again, offers something different that could have worked. But if you're him, you've got no affiliation to Cardiff. Um, you're looking to move to South Wales, which one seems the more appealing club at the moment. And it kills me to say that. But if you're looking at projects, you look at Swansea over Cardiff. Do you though? Like, there's so much going on. I, I, I get it football-wise. They play better football than us, largely. But like, with a team like them struggling financially, or not struggling financially, but not putting the money into the club that pe- their fans expect. Do you think they are a better prospect than we are to sign I mean, for? I think if you're looking, if you're a player that f- focuses on how we play and sort of the way games go and sort of your love of the game, as a midfielder, playing for Swansea can be a lot more fulfilling than playing for Cardiff. There's not many times this season you can look and say, Joe Rawls and Will Vox seem to be enjoying, enjoying playing. 
the last time I think I can remember Will Box enjoy playing was when he was giving uh, the Fulham players some shit after they missed a sitter at the playoff semi-final. <laughs> um, yeah, it just does. It's that's the issue, isn't it? Like that midfield does not look like a fun place to be. Is our answer to a midfield dynamo playing fullback? Is is it Pakuna? It's an option, isn't it? It's something probably he offers something different to Box and Pack, Box and Rolls are very similar, and something very different to Marlon Pack and the ability to go forward. Um, it probably is, and again, you're losing something because we can slag like all of these results. I don't think Bakuna's had a bad game in the lot. You know, no. a couple of moments, but there's no, there's no any moment in that sort of last few weeks. Right, go Bakuna's had a shit game. He sort of come. He seems a lot more comfortable here, but he's not a fullback. He'd be much happier in midfield, and sort of perhaps that is what we're missing there. That energy. Yeah, it's like it's a weird one with that midfield because there's some games like Volks were missing beginning of this season after having a really good period um, without them games the end of last season after the lockdown. But it's just the lack of consistency, isn't it? Like you'll have a game where Pack takes it by the scruff and the neck and just has a really good game and then just goes completely missing in the one after. And it feels like our midfield just aren't performing at the same time as each other at the moment or not for three or four games. It's, it's weird saying that though, though. We won five in a row. Yeah, I don't It's think such it's a weird case. run, isn't it? It's such, I, I don't know what to think of it all, really. Sort of think you look back, Watford wasn't it was a fantastic away performance, but it wasn't a great performance. Stoke the same. Um you look at Volks, it's very patchy at the moment. Sort of when he, he was rightly dropped from the Wales squad, proved that he should have been dropped because he was poor, then got back onto form and sort of became the midfielder that you want. So he's sort of playing in that and he sort of suddenly dropped right off a cliff. Pack during our worst period of the season was probably our best player. There wasn't too much he did wrong other than the odd hospital ball. Um, and Rawls has moments where he's fantastic and has a run of games where he's very solid, Mr. Dependable. But the problem with, uh, with Joe Rawls is he's never going to change a game for you. He's just going to make you play. He's just going to help get the engine going to change that game, if that makes sense. He's not going to change it single-handedly, but he'll be a bit, play a big part in helping the team win, change the game, if that makes sense. Do you think the, Sto- the Stoke game now, I think kind of looking back at it, because we've had a few games since, but looking back at that Stoke game, it's fantastic coming from behind and beating a team like Stoke away. But do you think that kind of papered over the cracks a little bit, the result of how leggy our midfield looked before going into that Swansea game, which we then didn't make any changes for? I don't even think it was midfield. I think all over the pitch, the players are looking leggy. And it's something that hasn't been addressed in the game since. Those players are knackered out there. They've played a lot of football. Every other team's rotated. I think Swansea's in the last few weeks have made like 11 changes. Teams are making five or six changes like a week if they're playing midweek and Saturday. And Harris doesn't seem to do that because the team was on a good run. And now it's just ground to a shuddering stop and we've lost all the momentum we had. Yeah, we'll come on to some of that a little bit later on. But before we do, one last thing on that South Wales derby because I'd rather just forget about it. Were there any positives? Ojo was all right. Yeah, I suppose. That's literally the only good performance I can think. I thought Ojo, for as little of the ball as he saw, tried to create stuff and tried to be the one player that was positive. Um, I've been bigging up Ojo on Twitter, to be honest. Um, I really did think we signed um, Kelvin Atu, Mark II, when we signed him. I thought, this guy is going to be a waste of space. He's just going to be... He'll be he'd be gone by January. He wouldn't play much. It was just shite. And I'd really now love for us to sign him permanently in the summer. I think he's the perfect Cardiff player. He's sort of come into his own, got a run of games. And I think he can crack on if he gets a good run at the club. 
So Ojo is probably the only positive so far from that game, at least. I agree with that point. And like when, when we signed him, I didn't think he was going to be useless, but it was kind of like a meh. I didn't think he was going to be an answer to any of our problems. And I didn't think he'd get so much game time that the likes of Hoyler and stuff wouldn't begin on the pitch. But he's proved to be integral to anything that's going right for us at the moment. And arguably, until apart from a couple of games, he's had more of an impact on Wilson. Yeah, I'd say I agree 100%. I think um, Wilson's been quite, I've been quite vocal about how disappointed I've been the way Wilson's not just played, but been used. We haven't worked out how to get the best out of one of the most talented players we've had at the club in a long time. But on the other side of that, Ojo's fit into the system well and is sort of exceeding expectations. We've got the perfect segue of Wilson not fulfilling his promise by moving on to the Birmingham game, where he was played a part in every single goal. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but that Birmingham game, completely different to the Swansea game. What did you think of it overall? Um, I missed the first goal, cracking start. I was travelling down to West Wales for my birthday, so I missed the first goal, came in and saw Bobby G had scored. Saw the goal then at half-time, and why we don't press higher at times confuses me. When we press high, we seem to create stuff and we seem to force teams into mistakes, and Glatzel's finish was just expert at that. Just perfect sort of counter-attack, high-press play. Um, then again, stupid goals conceded. But then we showed fantastic character like we did at Stoke, like we did at Watford to come back and get a winner in the last minute and big up Sean Morrison for that celebration because it was mental. <laughs> you say about we came back from behind there, like they were saying before the Stoke game, we hadn't done that in over a year. And then we did it twice in the space of eight days. Is that like a new side we're seeing to the squad? It's a team that believes now that even if we do go behind, because we go behind quite quite a bit, um, we've now got the ability to get back into games and outlast teams. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? We, sort of, we went for almost a year without coming back. And now Sky, again, on the Norwich game, we're talking about Cardiff's ability to sort of come back from behind. <laughs> so they're going, I can have only three games, lads. But then they showed the stats and we were like third best at coming from behind. We've got the most points from coming behind. It was bizarre. So, yeah, it's clearly is. There's, that, I think that's sort of what frustrates you, isn't it? You know the abilities there within this team. We should be doing better than we are. This isn't a bad side. It's just not a side clicking and playing well at the moment. We can't work. We just can't find that formula for a decent run and sort of put together that consistent performance. You say like we should be playing better than we are. Um, I know you can't do this, but like say you ignore the beginning part of the season and you, you look at that run of games we've had and we've had a couple of like negative results recently with Swansea and Norwich. That would be a fantastic start to the season, right? If you take that as a run, wouldn't you look at that team and think, we're in with a shout of getting promoted here. Yeah. Or do you not? Or am, I, or am I overselling it, really? You should, but you look at that paper and you say, that that's, that is, we are a team that should be in the run of playoffs. Let's be real. The quality in that squad is sort of Kiefer Moore, Smithies at the back, Morrison, Nelson, arguably weak in the fullback positions, but decent wingers. It's a competitive championship squad that should be doing better than it is. And you, the Barnsley game sticks out because, like I said, that's one of the best performances I've seen from a City side since probably the Villa game under Warnock. And We've had that, two since, though. We've had the Huddersfield one, we had the Luton one as well. That Barnsley game is no longer a one-off. Do you think we are starting to beat those teams lower in the league 
we have, looking, well, you look at Luton, they just drew with Bournemouth and arguably should have won that game. Luton were putting teams to the sword now. Luton were above us the te- at the time we played them. Yeah. I think it's, let's not forget that. But we haven't done it in a consistent four or five run of games, which is really important as a championship when inside. You look at sort of some like, like Norwich are a perfect example, started the season slowly, but now they're comfortable, they're in their stride and they're picking up big wins and playing very well. And that's what's going to pull them ahead in the race. Same with Bournemouth, right? They go for a bit of a sticky patch now, but they went through a stage where they were at peak at the peak of their powers and picking up and putting together a nice run while playing well. well. Do you think the pressure's still on Harris from our fan base at the moment? Or do you reckon that run of five wins? Was it five wins or four wins? Anyway, that run of wins. But do you reckon that's done enough to get the pressure off him? Or do you reckon that Swansea game has just thrown him straight back Swansea, into it? It's the derby result, isn't it? It's going to put pressure under anyone. You think sort of that was the final that was the final nail in the coffin for Warnock, really. Um, and he won us promotion. A manager that was under a bit of fire before, winning five games and losing to Derby in that manner, it's naturally gonna put pressure back on you. It undid a lot of the good work that was done before. We went from being buzzing and the fan base was in a sort of happy place to once again miserable bastards, miserable, fickle bastards that we are. It's an interesting kind of dynamic on Twitter, isn't it? Because after those sort of games, now you've got those fans who are normally in the ground shouting and venting, having their escape from the world, and that's their time they can really just have a go at people. Haven't got that now, so Twitter's kind of like the only platform. Do you think like the the managers get more pressure because the fans aren't there to shout anymore? Do you reckon it's, it's getting even more kind of like bitter on Twitter because of it? Yeah, I think that probably is sort of. By the time you walk out the stadium and you've got signal and you're able to send those frustrated tweets, um, you've calmed down a bit by then. But now it's very much more, a lot more reactionary. Um, be, purely because they've not had a chance to shout fucking Boomin. Fucking Boomin, that's the thing. Every, I think shouting fucking Boomin from time to time is good for everyone's mental health. So I'd recommend it. Just for anyone at the telly. Yeah. Just anytime that you do something frustrating. Yeah, at your partner, at your pet. Appearance, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with every now and again, but okay, going back to the Birmingham game, Neil Etheridge saving a penalty, but then showing why we probably haven't kept him. We we saw every side of Neil Etheridge in that kind of second half performance, didn't we? Yeah, poor distribution, but great shot stopper. Um, he's a fantastic, I love Etheridge, he did great for us, but you sort of see Birmingham fans sort of bigging up Etheridge and saying he's better than Smithies, he fucking ain't. That's why we sold him. Um, it was the right time for him to go. It's the right move for him and us. But you just saw, you saw his loyalty lies, didn't you? He saves a penalty against us and then throws the ball in his own net for Warnock. He didn't play for the club. He played for Warnock and it's good that we got rid of the bastard. Does it baffle you then, that kind of... (laughs) Do you think think it is strange then the Smithies didn't get more of a look in when Edwards was with us? Like, surely you're... You're seeing that in training, right? You're seeing the the lack of distribution. Yeah, he's a good shot stopper, but surely on a on a day to day, you're seeing that Smithies is a better all round keeper, right? You can't drop him though, can you? Because what did he do wrong? Premier League year, outstanding, um, and then Smithies took his chance. You, there was no way in the Premier League you could have dropped dropped Etheridge. It wouldn't have been fair. No, I think it's part of the reason he didn't go to the um, uh, the. Not the AFCON, the Asia Gold yeah. Cup, is it? The International Games Philippines, we'll call it that. Yeah, those. <laughs> I think part of the reason he, he didn't go for that is because he knew if he went and Smithies came in, 
he's not getting back in because that's how good Smithies is. But this still wouldn't mean just foul to drop him. It was just, he was too good. It was until he did his hamstring, Smithies took his chance and then it was curtains for him. Do you think he's almost a keeper built for the Premier League more? Sorry, built for a struggling team in the Premier League more than the championship team because the amount of shots that he's going to come up against because he's playing for a lower quality side. I think he'd make a fantastic number two choice for a team like West Ham. You sort of see why they signed Randolph was a very similar thing, very similar keepers. Um, yeah, I think he'd be very good at a struggling side like um, Arsenal. Yeah, I can actually see that, to be fair. <laughs> so, so, do you reckon that's uh, the answer to all of Arteta's problems now? Get Neil Etheridge in. Just get Big Neil in. Him, King and <laughs> Apollo. Get them, get them on AFTV. Big PR push. That's the way forward for Arsenal. That's how Arteta gets them back into the top four. I'm sure Mikel's listening as well, so I'm sure he takes that on board. I, I think I've heard he's a massive fan. He's, yeah. a, he's actually got the Ben James isn't here today, to be honest. That's why he's, they've been doing so badly. There's no coincidence that since Ben's been off, Arsenal haven't won a game. That's true. It is. You can't argue with facts and stats, can you? No. And I'm not going to bring any expected goals into this today. Or I might, mm, I might ram some in later. We see, but we have, we haven't, we haven't mentioned Wilson enough for that Birmingham game. Is that what we expect to see from him week in, week out? Though, should we see more of that? Like, yeah, just he's, yeah, he's not done enough, as he, of changing games single-handedly. He's a player capable of that. You've seen with mm-hmm. a derby at Hull and at Bournemouth, he's capable of changing those games or sort of making a real impact on games. And he's not put his foot into games for Cardiff enough. But he got that chance to take a hold of the Birmingham game and really made a massive difference and showed why Burnley were looking to pay 20 million for him in the summer and why there was such a clamour in the championship for players to, for teams to get him on. There is a fantastic player in there. It's down to him to work hard to bring that out more regularly to prove that he's worth that 20 million that Liverpool want for him. And it's sort of down to Harris as well to work out a system that gets the best out of him as well. Because if we can get him playing well, Look, we saw how well we did at relying on Lee Tomlin, who's half the player Harris is. Oh, not Harris, sorry, Wilson is. <laughs> if we can get Wilson playing, sort of get that sort of consistency out of Wilson, Jesus, there's no reason why we can't make top top four. I don't think Wilson's that type of player, though, to take a game, like lead from the front in a game or take a game by a scruff of the neck. What I think what you find with Wilson create, is... Create the magic that changed it, though. He's yeah, yeah, it's true. Because he'll disappear. Not disappear, but he won't have an impact, I'd say, for like 50% of a game. But he'll start to create things. And I think that's the problem at the moment is we haven't got the player to play with him to take that game by the scruff of the neck to allow him to do his thing. So I think so part of the blame goes maybe to him for not getting involved a little bit more. But I think we've got to find a way of getting him involved, haven't we? Yeah, 100%. And part of it is probably he's playing on the right and there's no link with, I'll say, 2-2. I'll say two to a marauding fullback that sort of knows how to play defensive role while getting back. That's not Bakuna's game. Bakuna's literally trying to stop goals at the moment and sort of try to be as solid as he can defensively because he's not a fullback. Perhaps we'll see more of Wilson when I'll say Tutu comes back, which hopefully will be soon. Yeah, how desperate are you to see him come back? Because I, I kind of not forgot, but I'm looking at other areas of the field thinking what we're missing, but I keep forgetting that we've got Geordie to come back from injury. That could be huge for us, right? A new signing again, wouldn't it? It'll be just like getting him back in. He's missed probably quarter of well, more than a quarter, probably a third of the season by the end of it. Um, sort of getting him back in January, he's just like signing a new signing and will be massive for us going forward, I think. 
So, right, we move on from the three points against Birmingham, which, to be honest with you, I'll say this, actually. In that game, when we even when we were behind, for the first time in a long while, I felt like we had a chance to come back into that game, and I wasn't shocked when we won it. Do you feel the same way? Do you think that... Have you got a new confidence now? No, I was still very much, oh, for fuck's sake, we we fucked this up again. Until we got the equaliser, then I thought, all right, we'll win this now because Birmingham seems sort of crumbled a bit. But before that, I didn't think we were going to equalise. I thought it was just going to be one of those games where we've thrown it away. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, when the penalty save from yeah. the leverage as well. I do mean, like, it was almost like, here we fucking go. This is exactly how we were scripted. I think that's one of the things with that is, that was a good penalty, but well, not a good penalty, but it wasn't a bad penalty by Glatzel. It's a fucking hell of a save. Oh, he's it's mad how good he is at penalty saves. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like that must be in a player's mind stepping up to it now. Because the, the commentators were saying it. They were saying it's like Neil Edwards' bread and butter. I think he saved a penalty for Birmingham already before that. He did it two games in a row, didn't he, in the Premier League for us? Yeah, Newcastle Huddersfield, like, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a better keeper of saving penalties out there, to be honest. No, he's not a bad option there. And it's sort of he had the inside scoop as well, obviously playing with Glatzel for a year, you know which sort of side he favours for the penalties. It was um that's why it was a bit of a surprise to see Glatzel take it. I, th- I would have thought Wilson would have taken it. But like I said, it wasn't a bad penalty. It was just a very good save. And that at that point, I'm thinking, right, we fucked this, lads. Well, so looking at that game, is Bobby G good enough to fill more shoes? Different players. Glatzel's more than good enough to play in the championship and do well in the championship. He scores goals. He can get goals. But you've got to play to his strengths more than you would with sort of Kiefer, you've just got to hoop the ball to keeper and he can create magic. Um, Glatzel isn't that player, but he he's more than good enough to get goals. We've just got to play smarter to him. So moving on to the Norwich game and, and linking in with that last point, would that be a different game if Moore was involved? Yes, 100%. They were, look, we created so many chances from set pieces. Um, as good as Glatzel is on the floor, he's not spectacular with his head. He's a, he's a tall lad, but his game is with his feet. Whereas Keith has got feet and head, um, which meant without Kiefer there, you've lost that bit of aerial threat. It made it easier to defend against because all they've got to do is focus on Morrison. And that's how they dealt with Morrison's sort of threat from set pieces. We, we should have scored mine, shouldn't we? At least one from Morrison in that game against Norwich. Some really good saves from the keeper and sort of some headers that you'd expect Morrison to score. I think, I mean, how many heads? I think we had like 11 corners, something like that. Something stupid. Yeah, because. There was one where Morrison headed it into his own shoulder and it kind of trickled to the keep, well into the keeper's hands. One where he put over the bar. And I think he should have scored one for definite. And he could easily score two or three. It was yeah. bonkers, really. And I think, like you're saying, you add more into the mix of that where you haven't just got... The, like, we had one focal point, really, from corners and set pieces, and he was still winning the ball. You add another tall fucker into that mix with more as well. Suddenly... Norwich, who have been vulnerable at set pieces up to that point as well, like that, that's where they've conceded a lot of goals. It could be a very different game for us. It could yeah, be a very you, different result. You pull in a man or two off Morrison because I think at times it's three or four blokes around him. Yeah. For him to get headers in that spot is pretty impressive as it is. But yeah, we made it easy by just having that one focal point in there. It's so nice, sort of like see Nelson get involved with a bit. He's popped up with a couple of goals. It's he's constantly at that back post looking just to get the sort of scraps. But sometimes I'd like to see him in the mix a bit more. He's like the the Mark Hudson to the Connolly though, isn't it? Do you remember like Connolly used to nod in a few goals, or the other way around sometimes as well, where one of them would draw the defenders away and then we suddenly score. 
Like Mark Hudson, what did he get? Six, seven goals or something one season for us, didn't he? From corners and stuff. yeah, he's picked up. He picked up a fair few. So do you reckon Con- Nelson's just the one to sac- he's just sacrificed himself for the sake of Morrison? I don't know. He's just not pulling defenders to him, though, is he? That's the issue. If you're not pulling defenders to you, you get in a position where the defenders will come to you. That's sort of my frustration was frustration with that. Um, Nelson Nelson reminds me a lot of uh, Bruno actually, with sort of Bruno for all his like head and ability, never actually scored that many goals for us. You'd expect him to do more from corners. I sort of see a very similar thing with Nelson there. And I just, yeah, I just think I'd like to see him in the mix a bit more. It's like less brute force, more comfortable. They look comfortable on the ball, both Manga and Nelson, really. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared when Nelson drives forward a little with the ball, where sometimes when Morrison goes forward with the ball at his feet, I do kind of shit myself a bit. He's either going to pull off some audacious skill and rainbow flick someone, or he's going to stand on the ball, fall over and give it away. There's no in between. I think set piece aside, though, we were just beaten by a better team on the day, weren't we? Yeah, I don't think City. There's a lot of people saying it's one of the worst performances of the season. I don't believe that. I don't think Cardiff were that bad. They were just knackered and beaten by the better side, with silly, silly mistakes and let's be honest, a great goal for the second goal. This well, stuff and, we could have done, but it's hell of a finish. And the first, to be honest, isn't it? Buendia from distance. It's. I thought we started the game pretty well, but what we did, they, their goals came from giving two quality players space around the box. They were half we, chances we, as well. Say again, sorry. They were half chances. It's sort of the one thing we're guilty of is we've got to have a clear-cut chance if it's not Kiefer to get a goal. Whereas they sort of create stuff out of nothing, sort of half chances, just getting that shot in. And yeah, credit to them that we just lost on the better side and there's not a lot we can complain about with that result really, is there? It was just the better team won. What you see around Twitter as well after that performance again is people calling for Benkovic. Is it time to bring Benkovic in? What What do you think on this? Because personally, I don't think Morrison and Nelson have done a lot wrong. I think the reason those goals come from Norwich is because we're pretty solid at the back in terms of we stick as a unit, we're solid, we let them have the ball outside the box, let they score from distance, so be it. Do you think there's a defensive problem for us and Benkovic needs to come in? Or do you reckon we stick with what we got at the moment? I don't think it's going to hurt making a couple of changes at the moment. We conceded two goals in the last three games like two goals a time. Um, it's not going to hurt to make a change. I think Nelson's looking a bit leggy, a bit low on confidence. I don't think it's going to hurt, but I also think there's clearly a reason that Benkovic isn't playing. Perhaps he's not the player we thought we've got. I don't know what it is, but for me, it wouldn't hurt to see Nelson drop out the side. You'd drop Nelson, would you? Yeah. Um, I think Morrison, for one, threats at corners is too good to give up. And I think Morrison's just a better defender than Nelson. As good as Nelson is on the ball, I think overall Morrison's game's a lot better. I just can't. I can't see which one of the, either of them. Pardon me. I wouldn't drop either of them. That's my problem. I don't think either of them had done enough to be dropped from that team. And I think there's commentators for every game say how good they are as a unit, and I agree with them. I think. Do you bring him in possibly as a third centre back? Do we change our formation? We've got problems with full back. Do we, we change it up work, a little bit? We don't work at wing backs. We've proven that so many times. Christ, that QPR game stands out. Wing-backs just don't work for us in this with the current players we've got. Um, Bennett's not a wing-back. Cunningham's not a wing-back. The limited stuff we've seen in Joel Bagans, he's not a wing-back. So you've got issues on the left. You could play Hoylet there, but would you really trust him? Um, yeah, I don't think City set a cow for three at the back. Do you think we need to be signing wing-backs? Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Because it feels like we're kind of our personnel kind of limits what we can do. Um, 
like we've got two centre backs. I don't think need to be dropped. I think they need a little help in the centre there because Ben, it's not up to his hundred percent. I don't think you've got Bakunu's makeshift as well. And I think our centre backs are doing a lot more work than plenty of other centre backs in that league. And it's probably taking his toll at the moment. I just think the knackered. I just think a change to freshen things up isn't going to hurt. It's not. It's not a massive reflection on Nelson's performances. I just think if you're going to stick with the two in the mid, in defence, which I think Harris is more comfortable with, and the players are more comfortable with, I think he's just got to drop out for a little bit. I think Brendan Rodgers' comments as well kind of sum up to me why Benkovic isn't playing. He said that you know we sent him out to get game time, and it's not happening. He needs to work hard, put his head down. And you know, and you might get some time. Do you think it's an attitude problem? Because he came with a big price tag into Leicester. You know, he's an international footballer, and he, he he's not getting into a championship side. Do you think it's got to be something there to do with attitude? Yeah, I think it must be. I I don't think he likes being put on the bench. I think he's come there entitled, thinking he's guaranteed to walk into this eleven and not have anyone challenge him for that. And football doesn't work like that. And if that's the case, I'm fully on board with Harris not playing him. Um, players got their way in this spot. We've seen in the past where players are sort of uh, our club being given the right to walk straight in and not fight for their place, and it's not gone well. Um, I want to see players earn their place in that squad. And he, if he hasn't done that, then he hasn't done that. And I trust. I, I definitely trust Neil Harris to make that decision. He's the one that sees those players week in, week out on the training field. We don't. We see glimpses of what the club release on YouTube. He knows better yeah. than anyone. He knows any better than anyone that defence. In back to the Norris game, the two goals are they poor goals to concede? Do, is it a problem now that we've got we're standing off players? Yeah. Should we be blocking shots more? Is should we be doing something about it? We've got a higher we've got a higher a midfield play in a higher line than the defence should allow. There's a massive gap that allows the space. That second goal for Norwich is example is key example. It's very easy for him to find the space between the midfield and the defence that sort of leaves us in the shit in the shit. And the championships are a quality now where there's a lot of players that can do what those Norwich players did. And even Jamal Lowe, look, let's face it, Jamal Lowe came from, he was the Wigan, wasn't he? Yeah. And sort of punished us. A team that got relegated, you can't leave a team as sort of favourites to get promoted and playing regular Premier League football, the opportunity and the space to do that. And something's got to be worked on there. Either you play that more defensive midfielder who just holds and job is just to sweep up and clean up in that position or the centre-backs play a higher line. And final word in that game, why does Marlon Pack, this is your words, and I'm repeating it back to you, why does Marlon Pack love a hospital pass so much? I have no what? idea. Um, Matt Pack does a lot of good stuff on the football pitch, the sort of dirty work that goes unnoticed. He's not sliding about and doing the sort of the hard graph like Gunson does, but he can make teams tick. He's a very, very good footballer. But every now and again, he'll just lose that little bit of concentration and play a pass that puts us under so much fucking pressure, it's unreal, that teams should be punishing a lot more than they actually have been. Um, and that's sort of what you remember then from Pack. He can do... He's got the highest passage percentage of our club. He's, I think he's on about 85% passing success rate. Admitting a lot of them are sideways and backwards, but that's what you want from a player. And that's... I, don't, I don't think he gets enough credit, because you look at Wilson's goal, which was a fantastic finish. Oh, that ball is unreal. That, that ball is absolutely unreal. And I think... The problem is he does it in his own half a little bit too much, but I want to see him do more of it up the field. I think yeah. there seems to be kind of players are a little bit scared to put that miracle ball in. No, I don't want miracle balls. It looks desperate sometimes, but sometimes I think there's a pass on. And I think Bakuna's done this a few times where there's a ball ready to be pinged out wide 
and he holds on to it, scared to kind of gamble a little bit when we're in their half and just plays it back across to the centre back. We look I want to see more of that from Balaban. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There seems to be shackles on a little bit and like a little bit of, I don't know. I just like to see more of it because that pass was sublime. Absolutely oh, sublime. Absolutely, just fucking unreal. That was pinpoint. That was. I don't want to say it, but like that's the sort of pass you'd see someone like McPhail or Wits make and just absolutely spaff over when you'd watch it again and again and again. Yeah. It was superb. And that, I 100% agree, that is more of what our midfield should be doing. It's stuff I'd like to see Rawls do more, actually, because he's got a pass like that in him, but he doesn't do it enough. Do you think he does have a pass like that in him? I don't yeah. think he's got as that. I don't think he's as good at that as Malon Park is. I don't think he's as good as Pack is at that, but I think Rawls is a better footballer than people give him credit for. Yeah, and he can pick. He he is better at picking out those sort of distant, sort of final ball passes that people give him credit for. He just needs to do it more. Fair enough. Right then. So, looking back at those three games as a whole, what summarising it? Positive block of three games, or full block? What do you think? Rate that out of ten for me. Four point five. Yeah, middle of the road. Yeah, just just below average, isn't it? You sort of picked up a nice win coming from behind against the Birmingham side, they're sort of, all right, they're struggling and crankers under pressure. But you're playing against a Norwich side that were favourites and sort of won comfortably. You sort of raise your hands and go, all right, better team won. But that Derby defeat just stands out too much. I think if that if that game had been against any other side, it wouldn't stick out as much. You'd be looking at a five. But yeah, just that loss to the Jacks just hits too much, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just it was just a manner of that defeat. It was just so painful, and has probably played into why this podcast has been delayed a little bit because no one wanted to speak about it. Um, that's not that that's not that might not be the problem. I'm just saying it could be a factor. It's but, um, ben being stuck outside Blackburn hunting for Bradley Dak. Then <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's there, and he, he's probably out there trying to find out what Kiefer Moore's hair routine is. So I, I just thought I'd mention that again because Ben's mentioned it every week. Kiefer, if you want to drop the plug, let Ben know because he's getting quite upset about it. It would make his Christmas if we found out what Kiefer Moore's hair product was. Oh, can I just do like that? I want everyone to tweet Kiefer Moore asking what he puts in his hair. But th- the thing is, as well, I don't know if you've got that um, 12 Days of Christmas thing the club are doing where they're sending videos and having Zoom calls. Oh, we get Kiefer's chatting to Ben James. Yeah, just <laughs> Kiefer just rings Ben James with his hair product in his hand. I, perfect. If, so we need to set that up, club. We'll get, we'll get older. Them. It's V05. Roger was just fucking lad. Lurk back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going forward, then, you know, the games are going to come thick and fast again. What do you, what would you change? I think just freshen it up a bit, isn't it? I think I've already said freshen up the defence, try and sort of get a bit of fresh legs in there, bring in Benkovic if he's ready and good enough to play. Um, Ideally, I'd like to see Bakuna back in the midfield just to provide a bit more energy there because he seems like he wants that. But obviously, without Osei Tutu fit, you can't do that. And then, yeah, sort of the front three pick themselves, don't they, at the moment? Wilson, Glatzel and Ojo. Yeah, it's a weird one because I, I was looking at the bench in the last game as well, thinking how i change it. Is it a positive seeing Academy prospects on the bench or is it a sign that our squad isn't deep enough at the moment? Because we've been crying out for it. Like, don't get me wrong, we want Academy prospects there. But at the same time, you look at it and you wince a little bit and think, how are we going to change this game? It's great when you're winning. You think, right, we can get them on and yeah. bleed them in. But then if you're looking at Academy prospect and you're going, they're not quite good enough to change, the t- change this game, that's sort of where it becomes a negative. 
if you're looking for a player to get change the game and you've got an academy product that's not quite ready for that, that's where it becomes a big negative. Yeah, I think that's where um, if we're out of it with the five five games left of the season, you bring in the, it, might, it might be good for us in a weird way because I can't see us going up this year. So let's be out of it with a few games to go of the season and try these players in that situation and see how they react. Because like you say, you don't, you don't want them coming in when you're losing games at the moment and trying to change a game. Because as effective as Mark Harris has been really running around, he's not going to score us 10 goals a season, is he, at the moment? Not at the moment, no. And sort of you've sort of seen the last probably two, three, well, since the Swansea game down onwards, he's not been as effective as he should be. Not as he should be, but as he has been because he's knackered. He's another player that needs to be sort of rested and give things a bit of a freshen up. He's a young lad, not played much football. It's not a knock on him. He's clear, he's proven to me that he was capable of playing the first team for a long time. He just needs to be managed better. Off one more fucking commentator says Swansea born Mark Harris. I'm going to head by the TV. I'm fucking sick of it. I get it. I get this narrative there. Just leave the boy alone. He's it's the same with the Jackson Kavanga, though, isn't it? Yeah, true. I like doing that. Though. Every, every every time Ben Kavanga, <laughs> it's he's born in Cardiff and his brother plays for the Blues. Yeah, <laughs> but like the Mark Harris one, it's like he's played for us since he was like fucking six. Yeah, like it's it's not like one they've let go. Shut up. He plays for us. Ah, uh, he's Welsh and he plays for Cardiff. That's all you need to know. It's, it's, anyway, there's, there's those narratives in football, though, isn't there? It was like Frank Lampard's Derby County. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Rooney's Derby County. All of those sort of things. Anyway, insert here in Derby County. Yeah. But, right, let's have a look at... Okay, we had a lot of Twitter questions in after the Swansea game that I'm not going to go through because it was so, so depressing. So we put out a call again, and we've got these three. Corbin Evans asks, regardless of manager, is this group of Cardiff players good enough to get Cardiff to the Premier League? They're good enough for the playoffs. If you can get in the playoffs, it's a lottery, isn't it? Are they good enough for top two? Like I thought we might have been challenged at the start of the season. No. I look at the league and when I looked at the beginning of the season, I was looking at clubs there and I said we finish eighth because I thought there was teams a lot better than this in this league and I thought there was at least five or six better than this. And Norwich aside and Bournemouth aside, because I think they're a class above us at the moment, Watford aren't firing like they, they should be. <laughs> They've just sacked their manager, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Which, well, yeah. Which isn't a surprise, actually. It's Watford. They always sack their manager. Yeah, exactly. But like you look at the teams above us in the league, Bristol City will drop off because it's Bristol City. Swansea, as painful as it says, are better than us at the moment, but they don't scare me. We're more than capable of getting top six, right? And arguably should be top six. True, but sort of you look, look who's in sixth. Tell me, tell me so I don't have to look. Borough. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I looked at that today. Oh, you look at it and you go, he's going to do under it the again, radar, Under the radar sort of stuff. And then you've got teams like Stoke that are sort of in the round that are a really good side. You've got Reading. I still think they right, got a bit of a dip. Reading a weird one. Up. Yeah, they, they've got some class players, but I don't think they're good enough for a season like to stretch it. But rare though, like they were doing the, they were grinding clean sheets and stuff. Went on a bit of a bad run. They were leaking goals, but they they found a bit of form again, now, haven't they? And they're, yeah, they're scoring goals under Warnock, which is bizarre. Up to six, three games, one on the bounce. That Warnock factor, man, it's a huge thing. You look at Bristol. Bristol have lost three on the bounce. Yeah, fuck they're him. sort of fading away. Reading lost two on the bounce. Uh, Blackburn, sort of, you speak to see the fans on Twitter. They're sort of they're calling for Mowbray's head. Some of them sort of saying it's time for him to go. He's sort of they're relying on Armstrong, and they they and he's a player and half though. To be fair, it's not a bad player to be relying on. 
seen the amount of shots he has. The, the, the stats and that are absolutely bizarre. No wonder he scores goals. I think as soon as he gets the ball at his feet, he just fucking twats it. And then looks at it. <laughs> He's that bloke at five aside that every fucker hates, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I paid a goal fucking at five aside. Fucking the ball! I hated it. Like, at five aside, I'm a, I'm a half-decent keeper, but one who's scared of people who shoot from distance. Because, like, up close, I'll back myself, because I like saving those ones I'm not expected to save. Once from distance, people like him, we're just twatting the ball from it. I just slam myself. You know, he's the yeah. one from two yards out that fucking just leathers it. And you haven't got gloves on, you go, fuck off. There's just no need for that. I went full Ben James then. I started going on about my own footballing ability rather than professional <laughs> footballers. I miss his uh, <laughs> Hackney Fields five-a-side story. Not five-a-side, sorry, 11-a-side stories. He's not going to get fucking booked anytime soon, though, is he? <laughs> That's true. Right, second Twitter question. You and James. I haven't read this. I'm just going for it. This might be some some swear words in this. I don't know. No, we're okay. Would you say that Neil Harris's biggest biggest issue is getting his team up for big games, primarily derbies? At least with Warnock, you knew every player would give their 100% seemingly not so for Harris. I disagree. Did players turn up in the derbies for Warnock? No, did they? Yeah. That's why you went. You and we lost to, yeah, lost to Bristol, lost to Bristol Swansea. Bristol and Swansea in the space of a couple of weeks. The players didn't turn up then. It's a player issue. Like there's characters in this squad that aren't as strong as we like to think they are. Um and perhaps that is part of the issue, is there's a lot of dead wood in that squad that could be could be culled. I think there's just too much focus on derby games. I think we it's natural, it's tribalism as fans. Um, but I, I, I don't think we lack leaders. I don't think we lack... People keep saying stuff like, we don't have people who understand the derby, and I don't think that's true. Joe Rawls proved that's, that's bollocks. Yeah, I think and people like Morrison and stuff, he's not going to... He's going to love the thought of a derby. I think we... I think the lack of fans, I genuinely think, affects our club more than other clubs. Yeah, I agree. Especially away from, away from home as well. I think you go to an away game and we'll out-sing... Like, game like Norwich... I think our fans there could have, like, geeing them up could have made a bit of a difference in certain aspects. Like, we weren't good enough on the day, but, you know, when we're peppering them with set pieces and stuff, I think it gives that extra element. And I think we're suffering from that at the moment. But I think... There's no way that Derby performance happens the way it did if the fans are there. Because yeah. the fans have been on the players' back and the players have snapped into shape a lot quicker. And look, there's not a lot you can do about that. The, the league shows, the whole standing sort of everywhere shows that away wins are a record high. And that can't be a coincidence. It's the lack of fans and team struggling. Yeah, I always thought it was bollocks, like those stuff about fans. I know, it makes a difference. But, but it, it clearly does. And like you hear like um, players, ex-players going on about it as well. And it makes such a difference. And I suppose it would, wouldn't it? If you had someone cheering your name from a sideline, even at the lowest possible level, like Ben James when he's playing in Hackney, you know you're gonna you're gonna up your game slightly, aren't you? If someone's on your back or, or supporting you, you, you're gonna you're gonna raise your game. Well, you look at the you look at the biggest games in Cardiff's history, like the one that stands out is the Leeds winning the FA Cup. Yeah, the, the, those Leeds players shrunk into themselves because the fans were so intense. Yeah, and people um, like Ferdinand are still speaking about it to this day. Yeah, was this was the quote um, by Galatasaray? Do you fear the Galatasaray fans? No, I've played at Ninian Park. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking mental, but that does show the difference. Like, you look at more recently Man City at home when we beat them 3 2 first year in the Premier League, Man yeah. United at home the same year. The atmosphere was mental and it pulled the play, it pulled, lifted the Cardiff players 10 foot tall and sort of brought the Man City players down a peg as well. Yeah. Oh, I just want to be back in football, but there we go. I miss it, mate. 
obviously when I was playing play down goal, you drive down there, go past the stadium each time. You're like, it's been almost a year since I've been down there. I know I haven't been to Cardiff game since Luke in away. Well, I missed the games before um, the games before the whole lockdown. I missed the last two home games because I was ill. Didn't have COVID. I was just ill, so I missed those two games. So I, I think it's January time. I think last year was the last game I went to, which is very depressing. The thing that depressed me is when I realised that Ben James had seen Carly Ray Jepsen more recently than I'd seen Cardiff. <laughs> that really put in perspective for me. That's it how long it's been. Socks. Anyway, <laughs> madness how he's got those socks. Anyway, Twitter, third question, Jimmy G. No relation to Bobby G. Um, tactically, does Harris have anything more sophisticated than give it everything, lads? I put this in because I think that's really harsh on Harris. I think Harris, is, Harris isn't doing a horrific job. I think it's such an easy stick to beat other Manchester doing a shit job. Could Harris be doing better? Could he be doing things differently? 100%. You sound like, like I'm turning into it. <laughs> yeah. I'm turning into him. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, the piss. I will. <laughs> Great. Oh, my God. I answered that like his press conference question. As soon as I said it, I realised. But, yeah, look, I think it's really harsh. I think Harris has done all right. Look, he's... He's not he's not Mourinho, he's not Bielsa. But thank fuck after today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, Harris is doing all right. There's other issues in play. There's more than just blaming on the manager. Do you see where he's coming from though? No. Because I you think Harris, Harris has made tactical changes when he needs to. Harris is one that made the tactical switch to 442 that worked for a while. Harris is the one that sort of put Mark Harris in. Harris has done stuff, it's just like he's restricted in ways as well. Do you think his press conferences don't help though? Don't know when he's saying the same things like you can't for the Lord's effort or you know, we're missing quality. It's, yeah. he just repeats the same sort of phrases over and yeah, over again. You've he? got the Harris sort of you realistically now, we've what, a year into his reign, you don't need his press conferences. You could have a soundboard and do like, you know, like on FIFA or football manager when someone walks yeah. in, you've got to click the options. You could do that because that's basically all the press conferences are. Yeah, I think look that out after right. Christmas. We've got the sound, but the VFDN Neil Harris soundboards might be coming to an app near you. Do you remember when they were all the rage on like the App Store? I think we I think, could generally develop one. I think I've still got like an Alan Partridge soundboard somewhere on my oh, phone. Nice. Yeah, we we could. Am I tech savvy enough to pull that off? I had a Keith Lemon one. What a twat I was. I bought Keith Lemon pants. Um, that's a mock than me then. Yeah, that's a mott on it. But oh, Jesus. Yeah, but okay, let me hear me out. Because I realised that if I stood in a mirror, it said Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Double meaning, mate. And that's why you're now banned from Primark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fucking sad. That is when I am a student loan first year of uni and I bought Keith Lemon pants. I bought SpongeBob SquarePants pants, mate. Don't worry about it. Uh, what's worse? Blue banana. I blame Blue Banana when I went in there. Just... Oh, what a shop, mate. Come a year's PSD Blue Banana. Eyebrow pierced twice. Ah, <laughs> uh, God. I have grown up a bit thinking back. I thought I was still quite childish, but I look at some of those uni decisions and I'm a, I'm a different person, Ben. We were having this, me and my missus, I turned 30 this week. And um, yeah, I was sort of saying in my head, I'm still that dozy 21 year old she first, like I was when we first got together. And I think back at some of the stuff I've done, I'm like, oh no, I have actually grown up. I've got a house and a dog. Didn't have that before. I wouldn't trust myself. I like burnt lasagna once. Yeah, I haven't got a house or a dog, so I think I've, I'm probably not far off twenty-one-year-old me. Well, that's actually quite depressing. Now, can we not say that you've got a house and a dog and I've got nothing? Let's move on to the Christmas run. What we've got, what we've got coming up. 
So we've got Brentford at home. You know, do you see us getting anything from it? No. Realistically, no. we're shit on Boxing Day. We're shit against Brentford on Boxing Day. We always seem to play Brentford on Boxing Day, which I've noticed as well. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a good point. I've noticed this because Fee's cousin's husband, who we see on Boxing Day normally, is a Brentford fan. And it normally ends with the end of the day, him taking the piss out of me. Yeah, I've got a couple of mates who are Brentford fans since I'm moving to London. And I don't mind Brentford. I think it's a nice club, actually. It's one of those ones that sort of thing. Yeah, because they could have supported a lot of other wanker clubs around the London area. And to stick with Brentford, I'm kind of like, oh, fair play. But, um, you know, they had a little bit of a blip. They're in the playoffs now and seem to be finding their feet. And, you know, in Ivan Tony, they've got a fucking player that nobody can stop. Can we stop him? Without a sniper on the roof? Probably not. The way we're setting off people at the moment, he's the last person you want to give that space to in the form he's in. Because if he's not scoring, he's getting assists. He's made, I think it's like 60-odd percent like goal contribution of like Brentford's goals have come either from an assist or a finish by Tony. He's just in unplayable form. For him to come out, and you think he's come out from League One, just hit this, hit the ground running. Um, part of the worry, that is a big worry, isn't it? You sort of think of the form sort of our centre-backs are in. Do you want him running at them? Oh, it's, yeah, it's true. You don't want to be standing off him, really, do you? And like they've got like they've got um Embuamo and stuff as well. And they've just I don't understand how they keep doing it. As a club, as a model, they they sell players for massive fees and seem to replace them. They're doing the stuff that as a club we'd love Cardiff to do. And they're one of the clubs I'm kind of jealous of, really, but then they still haven't got Premier League football yet. But as a club, do you, are you quite jealous of Brentford and how they keep finding these talents? In a way, yeah, but they've sort of changed their whole system. They got rid of their academy, didn't they? They sort of yeah, it's true. changed the way sort of they develop their squad. They're, they're not looking from the homegrown stuff. They've sort of seen they're in a market in London that they're not going to attract the best London talents. They've gone out and looking across the globe, bringing in £200,000 players, giving them a bit of beating football, then bring them out and sell them for stupid amounts of money. It's a clever model if you've got the right scouting network, but it's again, it's not an instant thing. Um, no. I read the no, the No Women, the uh, book about scouts. Sort of, they sort of that was released around the time Brentford first implemented this sort of system, and they said how hey, it will take years for it to pay off, and it is paying off for them now. But they were struggles at the start. They took them a while to get into the championship, and then sort of cement themselves from not being a bottom half championship side. So it's taking the time, but. It's not a model I like to see City go down with the sort of talent available in South Wales. But with the amount of talent we've brought through over the last few years, would we yeah, would we have been better off doing that? No, because we'd have fucked it up. Yeah, good point. That we tried it with Loic Damore. He can't get a game for Hearts in the Championship at the moment. I thought he was going to be good, Loic Damore. Started well, didn't he? But then you realised he's like Don Cowie, just, but without the end product. You fucking leave Don Cowie out. No, I'm saying he, he's not as good as Don Cowie. Oh, right. I, I, I'm sorry. Run, I, run a lot, but that was sorry, it. you triggered me then. That was just... I'm so used to people having to go with Don Cowie. I went for you. I apologise. I love I loved Don Cowie. Loved oh, yeah, you put him in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Sorry about that, mate. I'll stand down. I forgot I bought Nowhere, man. It was classic um, lockdown purchase. I bought probably about 40 sport books, read half a book at Evil Knievel, and I haven't got anywhere near the rest. So I'll come on to it at some point. I know I was going to make a really shit joke if I've got the wrong person. I was going to say you got read a book on Evil Knievel but couldn't get into it. But that's not him, is it? It's Houdini I'm thinking of. Very different books. <laughs> Very different people, yeah. <laughs> I didn't read the whole book about Evil Knievel, but I'm pretty sure he didn't do a Skipology stuff. But 
<laughs> who knows? Perhaps it'd be in the later chapters. After Brentford, then we've got Wickham away. Now, that's a game we should be winning, right? You think so, wouldn't you? Even you look at their position, the way they're going, Cardiff can't fuck this up, can they? But it's the sort of game they will. In, pre- in previous years, it's the sort of game where Cardiff will come away with a disappointing loss. I'd be more worried if if Wickham hadn't won all season yet. If this was the first game they were looking at to pick up three points, then I'd be shitting myself. But they've won two games since, so it's um. But yeah, they're not a good side, are they? I, I think it's a dangerous fixture. I think it's one of those where if you treat it too lightly, they'll punish you. They're, they've clearly been promoted for a reason. They did well in the leagues in League One for a reason. They're not like a bad side. They can capitalize on mistakes, but it's a t- with this quality of the squad you've got. Christ, we should be picking up three points there, surely. I they're one of those teams. They're only four off safety. Um, they get a lot of kind of like they've had like six like plucky draws. And they've been unfortunate in a couple of games as well. I but... think they've got the most own goals in the football league, haven't they? Yeah, I think that's a mad start, to be fair. But like, they're one of those teams that um, they're not afraid to lose. And I think that's why they're dangerous. It's like they're really happy to be in the championship. They're a club who never expected to be there. And they, they love their manager. Like, they, they were one of the first clubs to have fans back when they're in there. They yeah. had those pictures of him going around clapping, clapping him. And you know that everyone in that ground adores him. And it's one of those games, if you don't turn up, they could turn you over because they play with a relative freedom because they're not expected mm, yeah. to win anything. Uh, Ainsworth's fantastic. I like Ainsworth. I think he's done a great job and he seems like an interesting bloke. And like he was someone I'd like have considered, like to see Cardiff consider when, before Harris came on, he yeah, was sort of one of the guys yeah. I'd like to see him go for. But I cannot... St- picture Cardiff losing to a side in a league game with Adebayark and Fenner in it oh fuck he's former Swans isn't he uh, I, nah, to be fair I can't see us losing that game famous last words but I, yeah. I think that's when we'll win comfortably like a 2 or 3 now. and that's the sort of game that you can sort of if you get a decent result out of that it's a nice building platform to build a bit of momentum again yeah. it does feel like all the good that we had coming from sort of like the Stoke and Watford game sort of with that Swansea game ground to a halt in a fucking horrific way so someone like Wickham is the perfect team to sort of get that running going again what are you expecting from the two games Brentford and then Wickham I'd be delighted with four points yeah I really would I think if you can get four points from that that's a fantastic return don't care how it comes but yeah realistically I'm expecting three I think I want six I think it's got to be it's got to that stage of the season now where because we're not we haven't hit the ground running from the start and we're teetering around the playoff places Brentford at home I think has got to, I know no fans stuff I think that's what game we've got to win now I think those are games going forward if we don't get three points from them I think we're going to struggle and I think the pressure might be on if we, if we lose against Brentford which could easily happen do you think again people would be calling for Harris's head depends doesn't it I, I'm always of the opinion you can lose the game if the performance is good and not have it affect a manager, like put pressure on a manager. But if it's a sort of performance like it was against Norwich or against Swansea, then rightfully people are going to start asking questions again, aren't they? Um, if, you, if it's a plucky 1-0 loss, I'll take that. Like It happens. And if you can say, we tried but the better team won, you can't really blame the manager then, can you? I think you can. Oh, people will. <laughs> I've seen them do it, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what happens. Anyway, let's move on to the Hall of Fame. We're not going to do one this week. 
we were going to make one up for Ben and pretend he'd done it, but we thought we'd be kind and haven't done that. So we'll just go over last week's results. I'll leave this to you. Cheers, dude. So uh, it was a big one. It was two weeks ago now because obviously we missed a week. Um, and uh, to go along with the festive times and sort of the festive spirits, a Christmas song has made it into the view from the Hall of Fame. Last Christmas, I gave it to Sol Bamba and you gave it to Sol Bamba and you gave it to Tom Phillips. Tom wins with 53% walked, walked it actually in the end. I didn't know I'd won it. I'd completely forgot about this. And I read it earlier on. I was like, oh, fucking get in. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot. So yeah, that was a very nice win. I think that puts you back in the lead ahead of Ben and then me one behind Ben from there as well. So um, yeah, uh, second place was Volks and more shithouse than the Watford fans. Cup in ears. How long ago does that feel now? Oh, so long, mate. So long. <laughs> and then doing surprise i think surprisingly well nah there's a cult following for ccmb giant hand like it's there's like a, a demographic of our fans who fall into the, that like kind of forum kind of it, i never went on it really and but like ben and people of that kind of demographic i think are big fans of it and i think this had a big cult following 23 percent though i'm surprised never, by that i'd never heard of it Perhaps I'm not I, I, when I saw the picture, it reminded me of it. I was sort of, I was sort of very late. I was on the sort of the crossover between message boards and Twitter. I sort of was on that sort of crossover there. So I was very, I was very much of the PM Dudder sort of phase of it, which probably goes straight over your head. Oh yeah, I just laughed along then. I don't know why. I don't have a clue what that meant. But um, yeah, the CCMB giant hand. It is fucking massive though, isn't it? I think the picture. It is. I can't weird. work it out. I can't work it out. I can't. Like, it must be a depth thing, right? But, but I can't far, see like, the. But how fucking yeah, far ahead is that fa- guy's hand? I have no clue. It's, if it's not a giant hand, he's got very long arms. We need to get hold of him. That's why I sort of said, if anyone actually knows who the giant hand guy is, please put him in touch because we'd love to speak to him and oh, just work. Just, I don't know. It might be a tough one. It might be like the Milky Bar kid and like the Frosty's advert kid, where you know they disappear because of all the fame. Max, Fo- do you watch Max Fosh on YouTube? No, I don't know. Hey, one of my favorite YouTube accounts just has me in stitches. He bought a roundabout the other day that happened to, that he then found out lives opposite is opposite Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen's house. Oh, sick! But um, he tracked down the um, it's gonna taste great uh, Frosty's kid. Do you remember everyone thought he was dead? Yeah, and they put those two in, mate. It's, watch, watch that on YouTube. It's worth a watch. It's fantastic. There we go. That's our one plug this week on this. Yeah, that's go watch that's that. Not the Nothing whole about... thing, but just watch yeah, that don't, instead. Don't give us a review. Just go watch that. Actually, give us a review. Give us a review please. as well. Yeah, please. Do both. Why not do both? Anyway, so you want to head over to the fantasy football, do you? You've put this down. Is this because you're doing well by any chance? No, I have actually had a shocking week. And I've, oh, there we go. I've plummeted down the table. <laughs> I went from top 10 to 24th. There's really a, ooh, that's a big drop, mate. Uh, a part of it is because the cup, the total they've got on the app has given me five points. Okay. When you click on your squad, I've got 42. So I've got points to come, but at the moment I'm down to 24th. <laughs> so what is it with us and people winning, going top of the league with names I can't pronounce because I'm an idiot? Um, I'm just going to call you Sergio because that is your first name, at least and I can pronounce that. Uh, currently top with 868 points. Which is a hell of a. Is that good? Is that good? Well, yeah, considering you are 38th out of 39 with 607. 
I forgot. I've got more into this. There's a championship fantasy one, which would have made more sense for us to set up, to be honest, that I'm well invested in and doing well in now. Well, so we I can think... tell that because I've just clicked on your side. You've got Raul Jimenez, who's got a fractured skull. Yeah, <laughs> that won't help. <laughs> you've got Diego Jota, who's out till February with a knee injury. And yeah. you've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who seems to be scoring more own goals than actual goals at the moment. Oh, fuck. Have I still got Bailstein? He's on the bench. Oh, well, that, that, at least that was wise. Uh, you got Rodon on the bench. Fight. Yeah. No, he starts. Sorry, he's yeah. Sorry, he's there. What am I doing? I had Ampadu at one point. I just I li- I literally just try and get Welsh people in there. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's, it's not worked. It's not worked for you. It's never worked, mate. It's never worked. The only person that's struggling more than you is Dave Wilkie. Well, I was hoping it was Ben. Five hundred ninety-eight points. And I'm assuming that's bad. That's horrific. There we go. And his team's not that bad. I don't get how he's doing that badly. He must have just forgot the password for a while or something. He's got Ampadu in his squad. I need to find Ben James here. Uh, Clive, sorry, Clive Dendonka, 640 points in 35th place. So it's close Oof. between you two. Oof, I might, go, I might actually log in for the first time since October. <laughs> if you make oh. a couple of change, changes, you'll go above him, I think. Couple of changes, man. I've got a bloke with a fractured skull. You're uh, playing your wild card as soon as you log back in, aren't you? The worst thing is, I think I might have did that already. <laughs> I'm really not sure. Ah, oh, there we go. Anyway, we Ben, have we got a few things to plug going forward? Uh, yeah. Um, unlike the Premier League and Football League, we're going to take a little winter break. That's why we've previewed up to the new year. Um, we'll be back in the new year then, sort of back on track, regular uploads, sort of back doing it. Um, 12 days of Christmas giveaway. Um, again, life has just got in the way and it's sort of fallen behind. So we will carry on starting from uh, this pod's out on Monday. There'll be random uh, giveaways. We'll do random tr- giveaways. Keep an eye out. We didn't say 12 consecutive days. That is true. I that checked true. the small print, said 12 days. I did say Christmas giveaway. But that's technically until the 6th of January when Epiphany kicks in. So we might be on the seventh one by then if we're good. <laughs> yeah, so look out for that. But we, we might have a bonus pod. Is that, is that in the pipeline? We do. Um, we've recently interviewed Dekel Kiennan. And that will be out over the next few days. So keep an eye out for that. It's a really good interview. Real, like, interesting chat. Bloke speaks very highly of the club despite how he was treated by it. So, um, yeah, keep an eye, keep an ear out for that. It's um well worth a listen. And I, I'm gonna put a limb on you and say he's probably my favourite Israeli centre back that Cardiff have had. So it's, I, it's, it's worth a listen for that alone. Well, I think I think that's it from us this week. So make sure you tell again, tell all your friends about this podcast, please. Spread the word, review us. Just you know, do us a favour, please. Don't you listen to us for free, yeah? You know, review us. Tell your nan, your mum, everyone. You're going a bit Mike fucking Bubbins here, aren't you? I did. I've, I've listened to that too much. I realised that. <laughs> you cheap bastards. Yeah, well, as soon as I said you're getting this for free, I was like, oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. He's indoctrinated me. It's true. So, um, yeah, just drops a review. A positive one. Sorry, mm. yeah. I pointed to the camera then as if people Point, see yeah. it. <laughs> positive reviews, please. Anyway, that's, that's it from us this week. Um, Thanks, Ben. I just want to say Ben James, and you've still got his name written on the on the Zoom screen. Oh, yeah, because I've logged in and as him to record <laughs> this. Thank you very much, Ben Price. I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to everyone. Tara.
may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and